We're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. Kittens are. This is Sports Crunch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo. Joined as always by my right-hand man, Hal Bent, of full press coverage. Well, the horses have rounded the final turn, and we are officially into the stretch run of this 2022 NFL season. And the race for the playoffs, especially for those wildcard spots in both conferences, are as spandex-tight as I've ever seen, including teams none of us thought would be in the conversation at this point. Bottom line, there are still a wide range of possibilities as to who will earn a ticket to the playoffs, and thus, we are in for a wild four weeks, aren't we, Hal? We certainly are. We are coming down the home stretch, and, uh, you know, these teams, some of them have dropped out, but the ones that are fighting to the finish, we've got division races, we've got wild card races, we've got more teams than there are spots, so it's going to be a fantastic finish. Oh, it most certainly is. That is why I cannot wait for the games uh, this week, starting tonight with a big one in Seattle, which we will get to a little bit later on. But first, let's recap week 14. What was the biggest lesson you learned from week 14, Hal? Well, I mean, there's contenders and there's pretenders, and we're starting to sort them out a little bit right now. So... uh... You know, uh, any chance of the Raiders making a run? We saw that fall off. The Jets, the wheels are coming off left and right. Uh, Cleveland isn't going to mount a challenge with Deshaun Watson. (laughs) And in the NFC, Dallas and Minnesota raised, uh, you know, that collective uh, (laughs) heart rate a little bit with those performances. So, you know, some big question marks still as we come down the stretch. And so lesson learned, nothing is sorted out right now. I don't feel good about Baltimore. I don't feel good about Minnesota. I don't feel good about Dallas. There's a lot of playoff teams that aren't quite clicking and got to do a lot of work in these, this last quarter of the season. Oh, absolutely. And I would also add the chiefs to that list. Yeah. The chiefs uh, like the Cowboys might've gotten the win, But their performance against the Broncos was alarming. To blow a 27-0 lead like that uh, just has to raise some red flags at Chiefs headquarters. It just does. Definitely, definitely does. And, uh, you know, know, we can keep going on and on. I mean, uh, so many of those games, Tampa, is that a, you know, home playoff team the race for seven wins continues in the (laughs) afc south who's gonna get there oh yeah Um, that nfc south race is going to be ugly to the very end i can feel it absolutely and the biggest lesson i learned we talk about this guy regularly and for good reason but if there is any doubt that this guy has arrived on the scene there shouldn't be any longer trevor lawrence He was absolutely on fire Sunday afternoon in Tennessee as the Jaguars pulled off an upset win over the Titans. And uh, A.J. Schultz, uh, who is a bright football mind, and he writes for the uh, 33rd team, uh, he said that that might have been Trevor Lawrence's best performance since the 2019 National Championship game against Alabama. Like, 
Trevor Lawrence, he was he just was in command of that game, making ridiculous throw after ridiculous throw uh, with just unbelievable ball placement. Uh, and he uh, was borderline flawless in that game, dare I say. And the numbers from uh, Sunday and the past couple of weeks back it up. Trevor Lawrence, this season, he has seven games with a passer rating of 100 or more which is more than Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady. This guy is the real deal, folks. And moreover, Trevor Lawrence just became the second youngest player in NFL history with 10 passing touchdowns and zero interceptions in a five-game span. The last person to do that uh, at a young age, Lamar Jackson in 2019 at age 22 when he won MVP. In case any of you had any doubts about Trevor Lawrence or whether or not he has arrived, he has, folks, and he is already a top 10 quarterback, and there's a very good chance he's going to be a top five quarterback by next season. No doubt about it at all, David. I'm sure there are general managers from 2020 looking back and saying, geez, you know, we knew we should have tanked, and we didn't, and we let Jacksonville Beat us to the punch because, uh, as we have seen, as you laid out perfectly, uh, Trevor Lawrence, the next big thing, we've been crossing our fingers, we've been talking about it, and now we're finally seeing it. And we are also seeing the same thing with uh, his uh, 2021 uh, quarterback draft classmate and his fellow North Georgia, Justin Fields. Those guys competed against each other in high school, and it is going to be extremely fascinating to see just how far those two guys go. They both have arrived this season, and uh, they have a bright career ahead of them. So uh, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, I'm very excited about the future of quarterback play in this league with more to come, particularly in 2024 with Caleb Williams, but uh, that's a ways away. And uh, speaking of uh, quarterbacks, let's uh, go to our go to the week honors for week 14. And I go with a certain quarterback who did the unthinkable, joining a team and playing oh. on just two days notice and throwing the ball as sharp as he's had all season and leading a 98 yard game drive. You couldn't ask for a better Hollywood script. Baker Mayfield, you are easily my goal of the week. I cannot recall a single story in football or in any other sport where a guy just joins a team within a matter of days and leads him to a win like that. It just has not happened there ever in the history of, of sports. Baker Mayfield, an easy go to the week for week 14. Great choice, David. I mean, unbelievable performance just to be out on the field uh, on a Thursday night game join the team on Tuesday just unbelievable and you know the poor Raiders blow another game unbelievable um, but go to the week um, hey I'm gonna kind of tie this into my goat in the dunce in the same situation here because um, this one goes to the Monday night game and our my go to the week is Nelson Aguilar. He didn't do anything great catching the ball. He had a couple of drops, but at the end of the first quarter, when Devontae Parker, his teammate, was tackled on the field, hit his head, got up, and was woozy, wasn't aware of where he was. It was Nelson Aguilar who was alerting the officials, waving his arms around to get the play stopped 
while the rest of the Patriots team was trying to rush up to the line because the catch was in question. Mm -hmm. That is a GOAT, the great, you're taking care of your teammates. So kudos to Nelson Aguilar. It doesn't matter what you do with the rest of your career. That character shows. And a dunce, I'm sorry, NFL, uh, whoever your concussion spotter was up in the booth, was he standing in line at the concession stand? I mean, Troy Aikman was losing his mind. Uh, obvious, obvious on the scene that Devontae Parker was not out. And the NFL concussion protocols in the game, once again, a big fat fail. The NFL is showing that they don't care about player safety when it comes to concussions. They don't care. They showed it again on a national audience on Monday night, and they're the dunce of the week. Oh, very, very nicely done there, Hal. And the NFL owners have never cared about player safety. They've been telling us this for the past decade plus. That is all there is to it. And like you, my dunce of the week ties it to my go to the week. Yes, Baker Mayfield deserves all the credit in the world for uh, coming in on such short notice and playing the way he did. But Raiders defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, what the hell were you doing in the final two minutes? Like, you violated one of the most obvious cardinal sins of football. Don't play man coverage in the final two minutes. If it's a two-minute drill and the team needs to travel like the field with no timeouts left, just play zone. Just don't let your guys get beat over the top. Oh, my goodness. That is literally like among one of the Ten Commandments of playing NFL defenses. Uh, and you not only disobeyed it, you threw up all over it. Patrick Graham, Raiders defensive coordinator, you are my touch of the week. One of the most atrocious defensive game plans for a two-minute drill I have ever seen. And on Sunday morning a report on the future of Tom Brady from NFL Network, Ian Rappaport and Tom Pelissero surfaced. And the report mentioned that although the initial plan was for 2022 to be the final season of Tom Brady's illustrious career, there is a belief among many that getting divorced from Giselle is making him reconsider as he is truly leaving all options for 2023 on the table as of right now. If, Tom Brady decides to play again next season. Which team do you think makes the most sense for him? Is it a return to New England? Is it with the 49ers and his hometown? Is it with the New York Jets who could use a quarterback upgrade? David, uh, I'm going to go with none of the above. I'm looking at two teams. Um, and I think one situation is a little better than the other. Um, Las Vegas, I don't think the Josh McDaniels, Derek Carr marriage is going to work. I think Vegas is going to be looking for a quarterback. Uh, what better situation for Tom Brady than to reunite with Josh McDaniels, his longtime offensive coordinator, and be the bridge to the next quarterback in Las Vegas. Play in Las Vegas, newly single Vegas. It's a match made in heaven for Tom Brady. My goodness. Unless he wants to come back to the Northeast and play in some cold weather. He's got another old friend in New York, Brian Dayball in the Giants. Not as much talent around him, 
big play. Maybe he might have to do some recruiting if he goes to the Giants. But, um, you know, familiarity with the offense and the offensive uh, plan there. So probably, you know, I think those two ties might bind him next year. Giants probably moving on, um, you know at quarterback from Jones and Raiders probably moving on from Carr. So both looking for somebody, both looking for maybe Tom Brady. Why doesn't a reunion with the Patriots or a homecoming in San Francisco make sense for Tom Brady, in your opinion? New England, it's Mac Jones. It's still Mac Jones. It's going to be Mac Jones. Um, Bill Belichick is pretty clear it's Mac Jones going forward. That's the quarterback he picked. That's the quarterback he's staying with. There's no back to the future going there. And for San Francisco, I mean, they're going to trot out Trey Lance again next year. We're going to see it. I mean, they've already got a situation where after, you know, just a short period of time of this Brock Purdy madness here, Mr. Irrelevant, outplaying the number three overall pick in the draft the year before um, <laughs> is not a good situation there in San Francisco. I don't see throwing another quarterback into that mix. And, you know, if they do decide Trey Lance isn't the answer, if Brock Purdy struggles down the stretch here, they can always bring back Jimmy G. We didn't yeah, think he'd can. be back this year. And, you know, uh, you got a little bit more. Jimmy G's 31, not 45. That's a big difference as well. 14 years in the age of your quarterback uh, for San Francisco bringing him back. So too many options in San Francisco, I think, for Tom to end up there. It's uh, going to be very fascinating to see what the GOAT plans to do. He is easily going to dominate the headlines during uh, this uh, offseason as free agency nears. And speaking of quarterbacks, there is arguably no hotter team in the NFL right now than the Detroit Lions. After starting the season one and six, and we were talking about, is Dan Campbell really the right coach for this team? They have won six of their last seven games and find themselves with a more than decent chance at a playoff berth. And a big reason why is Jared Goff, who over the past five games has a 69.2% completion rate, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions, and 1,311 passing yards. If he keeps this up these final four weeks, the Lions will have a rather large dilemma on their hands this spring. Should they be willing to ride with golf for the foreseeable future or select a quarterback with one of their two first round picks? What do you think, Cal? I think they can't put all their eggs in the golf basket. Uh, they saw, I mean, two years ago, they saw what happened with the Rams, the drop off there with golf. It's got to be in the perfect situation. And again, with the talent on this team, um, you know, having that Rams draft pick there and it's going to be somewhere in the top five picks, they're not going to get a better chance to get a quarterback here. Um, so I think they have to go for it this year. Um, you know, if you've got one of those top quarterbacks available to you and, you know, if we're saying, you know, it's one of those big three there at the top of the draft. Um, there's teams up there that don't look like they're going to be interested in quarterbacks. So you've got a chance at one of them. 
this team's too good on both sides of the ball to be back in this situation with a top five draft pick. Their own pick isn't going to be there. So get the quarterback, ride Goff through the end of his contract. You know, if you get another year or two as the bridge quarterback, he's certainly looking like he's earning that job this year. Um, so keep him, don't extend him, get your future. And in two years, man, that team could be something special with a hot young quarterback in control. You definitely have a point there, Hal. And a big reason for the success Jared Goff is having this season is Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. And I am pretty certain that Ben Johnson is going to be a head coach somewhere next year. So the Goff match could easily evaporate without Ben Johnson calling uh, those plays. But I will say this. The Lions might not be as high on the 2023 quarterback class as others are. And they have a point. Like uh, C.J. Stroud, he, as good as he is, he's a Jared Goff carbon copy, dare I say. Because uh, he's a good pocket passer, but he needs a good offensive line in front of him because he is very, very incapable of creating outside of structure. Bryce Young, as talented as he is, uh, he doesn't have the strongest arm in the world, and his size is going to scare a lot of teams off. And the 2024 class, a lot of people are even higher on than the 2023 class. So the Lions could easily trade back from one of their first-round picks and accumulate more assets for 2024 to get a quarterback in 2024. And that class looks super promising with the Caleb Williams at the top. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. If they can get in there, um, that can be uh, somebody that twenty twenty four push it back a year, make that deal. It's a great idea because you're right; these quarterbacks, as good as they looked before this season started for the group, um, you know, definitely the more tape that you get on them, the more questions that you're gonna have, and you really have to look at, you know, is Stroud is young. Are they going to be somebody who can lead this franchise and be an upgrade over Jared Goff? So, yeah, great point there as well, David. Uh, definitely. Uh, and I think the main reason why the 2023 class was overhyped last year is because it is definitely a lot better than the 2022 oh, yes. quarterback class. <laughs> but uh, the 2024 quarterback uh, crop could be a lot better than 2023s, just uh, to let you know. And it's time to play our favorite game on this program, Truth or Exaggeration. You know how this game works. I make a statement, and Hal, your job is to let me know whether you think I'm telling the truth or whether I'm exaggerating, and then explain why. And we start with the Rams, where it isn't a sure thing if Sean McVay even returns to the team as head coach. Keep in mind, there was chatter at the Super Bowl last year that Sean McVay, who is just uh, newly married and wants to spend more time with his wife, was uh, looking forward to uh, stopping uh, coaching and going into broadcasting instead. And that is easily still on the table for him. So truth or exaggeration, Sean McVay will step down as head coach of the Rams and take a broadcasting gig either after this season or after next season. Oh, you gave me the out. Yeah, I'm going to say truth then. Maybe not after this offseason, but another down year, 
another year of Aaron Donald getting closer to retirement. He's pretty much made it clear he's not going to be out there at 38 still wrestling with uh, centers and guards. So, um, you know, it, Aaron Donald's also looking at, you know, getting out while he's healthy and on top. So, and Matthew yeah. Stafford might retire. Oh, after this yeah. Year. You're already losing. Yeah. Matthew Stafford as well. Same situation. He's been beat up all those years in Detroit. So, yeah, if there's a chance to, you know, step away, clean break, it might be this year or next year for Sean McVay. And, you know, get out and get that uh, broadcasting gig. Uh, well, you know, while you're still a, a hot, hot commodity. And uh, cash in as much as you can. The sooner, the better. Uh, price is only going to go down in the future if your team keeps losing games. So uh, with the mess of the Rams this year, could be this year, but I could really see next year after next season. Yeah, and that's why I'll go with the truth. You mentioned the race to seven wins in the NFC South. So truth or exaggeration, the Panthers are equally as likely as the Bucks to win the NFC South. And keep in mind, if the Panthers win out, they are in, and they already beat the Bucks this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give it a truth. Like I said, the race to seven. I mean, I could, I mean, you look at Carolina and I say, geez, you know, that could be an eight-win team. They're excited to play for Steve Wilkes. You're seeing that on the field, um, playing hard. Every single week, um, even where they've lost with Wilkes, they've been in those games, overtime loss to Atlanta. That um, shouldn't you know, have happened because of DJ not, Moore. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That should have been a W. And they fought hard in those other games that they lost. You know, Ravens game, they went right down to the wire. They had a great defensive performance there. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've got to give them a the truth. They've, they're in the driver's seat. They play Tampa again. Um, you know, they could go into Tampa on New Year's Day, take them out, get that tiebreaker. And, um, you know, is New, if New Orleans has got nothing to play for in the final week of the season, yeah, give it to Carolina. I could see them taking it. I'm going to go with the truth. And speaking of Steve Wilkes, truth or exaggeration, Steve Wilkes will be a full-time head coach in the NFL next season, whether in Carolina or elsewhere should be a truth i don't know after last year with vegas i'm very very jaded on interim head coaches here <laughs> um so you know yes it screams it should be a truth but you know not being a offensive guru that works against anybody right now in the nfl so i've got to go with an exaggeration even though it should be a strong truth and moving from the NFC South to the top of the NFC and the Eagles, where A.J. Brown is a serious candidate for Offensive Player of the Year honors. Truth or exaggeration? Yeah, he is a contender. Truth. Um, winner, probably a bit of an exaggeration, but he can turn it on down the stretch. I think Tyreek Hill is uh, still ahead of him at that wide receiver position. But, um, you know... <laughs> Brown and uh, Jalen Hurts there. I mean, what a wonderful combination there for Philadelphia. And, you know, Brown just does it 
week in, week out, the consistency, the numbers, the impact, um, you know, the growth of Devonta Smith there playing opposite from him with Brown taking some of that pressure off. Um, yeah, I mean, truth, put him, put him in there. I don't think he'll win it, but, you know, still four games to go. He could, if he flies past the cheetah, things could happen. Oh, absolutely. And we cannot forget this undisputable fact that A.J. Brown is a major reason why we've seen such a quantum leap in the development of Jalen Hurts. That's all there is to it. Uh, he is as helpful to Jalen Hurts as Stephon Diggs uh, was to Josh Allen in 2020. Very, very similar effect there. And the Vikings will be one and done in the playoffs. Truth or exaggeration? I, I haven't changed my opinion in the past month, David. I'm going to go truth on that still. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Vikings. Uh, even when you were winning the last couple of weeks, um, I still didn't feel the love there. And, you know, um, the scary thing is, is you look at them and you say, look at their schedule and you go Colts, Giants, Packers and Bears at home. I mean, they could run the table, you know, 14 and three, and they're still one and done. I don't care what happens in this last quarter. Minnesota, I've got you targeted as a one and done kind of team in the playoffs. And on to the red hot 49ers, where Brock Purdy, no longer Mr. Irrelevant, will end up ahead of Trey Lance on the 49ers quarterback depth chart next season, regardless of who the starter is. Truth or exaggeration? Uh, could be a truth, but, you know, the NFL and first-round draft picks, especially high first-round draft picks, um, <laughs> Brock Purdy's going to get no respect uh, next year, no matter what he does this year from Kyle Shanahan. Uh, I hate to say it, but I think they're going to throw away 2023 with another year of seeing if Trey Lance is, is or is not the answer. <laughs> Hint is not. And uh, after they learn that hard lesson, sorry, oh, wasted a year of Brock Purdy's development. <laughs> Here's where I may disagree. Because of COVID and because of his injury this season, Trey Lance is going to have played little to no football in a three-year time span. That's why it's not going to be that easy for him to overtake Brock Purdy on that depth chart next season. I hope that's the case, David. I really do. But, you know, NFL, high first-round quarterbacks, we see it year after year. They just get every chance and quarterbacks drafted in the later rounds. Um, you know, unless you do it consistently for 20 straight years, like Tom Brady, you're not getting any breaks. Just ask Ryan Fitzpatrick. In most instances, that is the case. I agree there. And it will be fascinating to see how it shakes out in San Francisco next season. And speaking of high picks in the NFL draft, the Houston Texans will select either Alabama pass rusher Will Anderson or Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter with the number one overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. Truth or exaggeration? And keep in mind, they have another first-round pick from the Browns they could use to trade back up into the top 10 and get their quarterback after they pick first overall. You know, it should be a truth. 
I wouldn't let Jalen Carter pass me no matter where I'm picking. If he was available, man, I am grabbing him. He is probably my favorite player coming out in the draft. I love that destructive force in the middle of the defensive line. And Carter looks like he could step in on any team right now and have a huge impact. Um, So, yes, they should. Oh, I don't know if they're going to. I don't know if they're bold enough. I think they're going to grab that quarterback first, though. So I got to go with an exaggeration, even though it's a they should. It should be a truth, but it's not going to be um, whoever they like best, whether it's Young or Stroud, I think goes first overall, um, just because the Texans are so desperate at that quarterback position. Um, The Davis Mills experience has not worked out, and um, they desperately need to address that position and find their long-term answer, and this is their best chance. I don't think they can put it off another year. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to see what the Texans do with that first overall pick. Given the state of their roster, um, taking a quarterback is no sure thing for the Texans in the 2023 NFL draft should they keep that first overall pick. Bengals defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo, who seems to be the defensive coordinator that gives Patrick Mahomes the most fits out of any defensive coordinator in the league, Will be a head coach in 2023. Truth or exaggeration? Oh, this uh, yeah, another should definitely <laughs> should, but I think it's going to end up an exaggeration. The trend right now, it's all offensive coordinators into that head coaching position. Every team is looking for offense, 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 and all of these great defensive coordinator candidates that we've seen are missing out on way too many jobs. Um, And so unfortunately, although it should be a truth, it's going to be an exaggeration. And last but not least for truth or exaggeration for this week. The Miami Dolphins are in danger of missing out on the playoffs. Truth or exaggeration? I mean, that should be an exaggeration with the state of their offense and the way that they've played with Tua this season. But these last two weeks, uh, you know, out on the West Coast, San Francisco, the Chargers raise a lot of questions because that offense, since that bye week, go back to the bye week, even against Houston, they didn't look all that hot. They definitely looked out of sync. Um, they're not able to run the ball. Teams are putting the pressure on, and you're seeing the effects of teams getting that tape and figuring out that offense a little bit, and the Dolphins need to adapt, and they have not been adapting. I think they thought they had a little Jeff Wilson there uh, boost, but the injuries and ineffectiveness. So, yeah, I mean, you look at it, they're not inspiring a lot of confidence. Their defense is middle of the middle of the pack at best. Um, They've had some good games and they've had a lot of clunkers as well. And looking at them coming down the stretch here, these last four games at Buffalo um, green Bay, going up to New England on New Year's Day. We'll see how they do this week in the cold of Buffalo, but no guarantee of good weather in January in New England. 
And the Jets are no pushover easy win in week 18 where they could be both fighting for a playoff spot in that game. So, yeah, I'm not giving the Dolphins anything. They've got a tough road ahead of them. And, um, yeah, I do not – I think they are definitely should be feeling that they are in danger of missing out on the playoffs, and I'm going to give that a truth. And speaking of the Dolphins, they do indeed travel to Buffalo this Saturday night to take on the Bills in a crucial game for their hopes of winning the AFC East. And you mentioned about the struggles the Dolphins have been having on offense in recent weeks. And do you think defenses have cracked the code on the Dolphins offense? And if you think they have, what does Mike McDaniel need to do in order to counter the excessive press coverage they're seeing more often? Well, I mean, that's been the code. The problem is most teams can't play that press coverage. They just don't have the horses to do it uh, at cornerback position. Uh, we saw some great individual performances on Sunday night by the Chargers uh, cornerbacks. Uh, San Francisco, great team. I mean, that great defense there to begin with. Uh, great pass rush, and that helps out those cornerbacks as well. But a lot of talent in that San Francisco secondary as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the formula. I mean, you can go back to Bill Belichick in week one against the Dolphins. The Dolphins really only scored, uh, they had one defensive touchdown. They had one offensive touchdown, which was very similar to their touchdown against the Chargers. Defender fell in coverage, touchdown. Mm -hmm. That was it. Everything mm -hmm. else was a long slog of not working. And for Miami, uh, the only thing that they're going to do to counter that is to run the football more effect. Well, two things maybe, but most important is running that football. And you know, they imported those Shanahan concepts. Heck, they imported the running backs from San Francisco, <laughs> Mostert and Wilson. Come on. Uh, you know, Chase Edmonds making an NFC West party over here at running back for the Dolphins. So they've got to figure this out. Mike McDaniel came to Miami with the reputation as the running game guru, not the passing game guru. And he's had all of training camp to put in that offense. He's had... 13 games through the season, it's time for him to shine. And if there's any chance of the Dolphins, uh, you know, beating the Bills, winning the AFC East, uh, being making the playoffs, winning a playoff game, they're going to have to do it on the ground. They're going to have to play games in adverse conditions and be able to be effective and open up the rest of the field for that dynamic wide receiver duo. And to do that, they've got to run the ball, get those defenders, uh, force them near the line of scrimmage, pack the box. Uh, four games to figure it out right now, Miami. Be interesting to see if they can do that with that Mike McDaniels offense. Oh, they definitely uh, need to lead more on that run game because on Saturday night in Buffalo, it's uh, expected to be 28 degrees with seven inches of snow possible. And uh, FYI, Chase Edmonds was traded to the Broncos. Oh, that's right. Chub trade. But, uh, so, but it's like a Jeff Williams, Raheem Mostert reunion party uh, with the Dolphins. <laughs> you, you were right about that. But uh, speaking of that uh, forecasted weather for Saturday night in Buffalo, do you think the Bills 
need to be prepared to run the ball more than they ever have the past two years or so, meaning with running backs and not Josh Allen. <laughs> no, I'm going to say no. Seven inches of snow, no problem. Buffalo, you've got the quarter, one of the few quarterbacks with the arm. Doesn't matter what the elements are. Rain, snow, wind. I mean, remember last year that game in Foxborough against the Patriots, the wind game there. Mm -hmm. uh, where the wind was blowing 50 miles an hour all over the stadium. And the Bills tried to run the football in the first half and could not do anything until they started opening up the passing game and you saw Josh Allen was very effective throwing the football in that game. Didn't have great stats, but you know, didn't get a lot of help either there. Um, but once they opened up that offense, they started moving the ball. And I think that's a lesson learned from last year for Buffalo, forget the weather conditions, put the ball, put the game on Josh Allen. Don't let the weather take him out of the game because you take that passing game out and you're taking away Stefan Diggs and you don't want to do that to yourself if you're that Buffalo offense. Yes, Josh Allen definitely has the arm strength to overcome uh, elements like uh, seven uh, inches of snow, but I do think the Bills need to lean on that running game a little bit more than they uh, like to uh, because uh, uh, they're going to need to tough it up for the playoffs though. Oh yeah. I mean, definitely. And I mean, we've seen a little bit of improvement. Um, you know, a uh, James cook has given a spark to that running game in some limited action. So um, yeah, I mean, the bills, they're in a little tough stretch on offense, no doubt about it. They've played some tough defenses here. I mean, Detroit was ready for them on Thanksgiving on that short week and had a great game plan, almost pulled off the upset um, new England, you know, they the strong secondary there, tough to throw against. They had to open up the running game a little bit there to help them out. And I saw that against the Jets as well. Um, leaning on that running game is something they're going to have to do, um, you know, down the stretch and in the playoffs, if they're going to beat the Cincinnati's and Kansas City's, uh, you know, you've got to have a little more balance in that offense, no doubt. Definitely. And now let's talk about some of these game-deciding matchups. And we start on the perimeter, where the Dolphins obviously have the most uh, dangerous uh, wide receiver twosome in the league with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. But the Bills also have, when he's healthy, one of the best shutdown corners in the league in Tredavious White. And you can see Sean McDermott using him and whoever his running mate is on, on the boundary to get into the grills of Tyree Kill and Jalen Well to disrupt the timing between uh, them and Tua Loa. Oh, definitely. No doubt about it. And, you know, especially talking about that Buffalo secondary as well, um, no doubt about that. The most important player in that secondary is Jordan Poyer. He missed a couple of games due to injury earlier in the season, and that just looked like a totally different defense without him. Um, he is so effective, covers still um, on the wrong side of 30, covers a lot of ground out there. And of course, um, you know, what's inside that helmet, his head, he's seen it all. Um, and he 
makes quick, smart decisions. I mean, just watch any Bills game and just count how many times Poyer is in there disrupting at the point of that pass, um, lurking there in coverage and causing problems for the opposition. So, yeah, the Bills having Poyer healthy here, a uh, huge advantage for them in trying to slow down, as you said, that dynamic duo, which is very tough to slow down for the Dolphins. Yes, and uh, given the elements, the Dolphins are definitely going to need a very, very good performance out of their defense in order to come away with the upset in Buffalo on Saturday night. And they're going to have to win these two matchups, starting up front with the defensive tackle Christian Wilkins. He arguably mm -hmm. was the best player on the field for the Dolphins on Sunday yeah. night. Uh, that's uh, Chris Collinsworth's observation, uh, not mine. And uh, he's going against Roger Saffold, who has been a liability at times for the Bills at guard of the season. He's a wily vet, but uh, he appears to be on the uh, final hole of his career, dare I say. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that um, guard spot's been a problem for them. Uh, this season, uh, Ryan Bates has been dinged up for them. So not a lot of depth there and, you know, playing guys, they probably don't want inside there. And like you said, um, you know, Christian Wilkins just been fantastic um, for the Dolphins. He's a great disruptor here. I mean, uh, this is one of those games where you're blessed to be able to see on both sides of the ball, you know, Christian Wilkins for Miami, Ed Oliver for the Bills, some great, great defensive tackles who can, uh, you know, slow running games, influence the passing games, make big plays for their teams. And uh, yeah, that's a great matchup uh, for both teams on both sides of the ball, trying to cover up and uh, stop that pressure from the inside getting into the quarterback's face. I couldn't agree more. And the other matchup, the Dolphins defense is going to have to win. It is time for Xavier Howard to show why the Dolphins gave him that record-setting contract for cornerbacks in the offseason, as he is likely to shadow Stefan Diggs all game long. Uh, he's going to have to have the game of his life. Yeah, and I mean, he's had a kind of tough season this year, and he's, you know, um, Byron Jones hurt for them has been a problem. It's been a revolving door on the other side at that cornerback position um, opposite him, and, you know, it's strange to see because you got so used to teams uh, leaving his side of the field alone. And Xavier Howard's been getting a lot of attention this year. Teams have been throwing the ball at him, uh, which is something we haven't seen before. So yeah, it's, it's uh Stefan Diggs is not an easy matchup for anybody. I don't care how much snow there is. Uh, you said it, Xavier Howard is going to have to have a big game for the Dolphins defense to help slow, to try to slow down that Bills offense. And who do you think comes away with the victory in Orchard Park on Saturday night? Do the Dolphins pull off the upset or do the Bills essentially put a lock on the division? Uh, I think it's going to be the Bills putting the lock on the division. Uh, I mean, I know they struggled last week. Hey, you know, that, that, Jets defense is tough, tough in the front, uh, great tacklers at linebacker, great, great back end of, you know, the talent that that's in those secondary positions. The Jets are fantastic there. So Dolphins aren't at that level. I think the Bills bounce back despite the elements. And I have Buffalo winning pretty handily 24 to 14 over the Dolphins.
I think it's going to be a little closer than that, but I'm taking the Bills as well. Keep in mind, week three in Miami, when the Dolphins they eked out a 21 to 19 win over the Bills, the Bills outgave the Dolphins 497 total yards to 212 total yards. That's not going to happen for a second straight uh, meeting between these two teams. The Bills are going to make the plays this time that they did not make in week three. I like the Bills to eke out a 20-17 to 17 win over the Dolphins. And now let's pick the rest of these week 15 games starting tonight in Seattle where the 49ers face the Seahawks. And if the 49ers win, they win the division. I think they win and win the division. This Seahawks defense just cannot stop the run to save their lives. Just run the ball 30 to 35 times. The 49ers should have no problem winning this game. I like the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, 49ers should win this one. Short trip up the coast. Uh, but, you know, Seattle, 12th man, short week. Division rivals, strange things happen here. I think Pete Carroll's going to dial up some uh, offense here for Seattle. And, you know, uh, maybe we get a little higher scoring game than we think we are going to get. I'm going to go with Seattle taking this win at home on Thursday night. Uh, Seattle 31, San Francisco 28. Oh, you bring up a point there, Hal. Uh, Pete Carroll is not a guy to underestimate when his team's backs are against the wall. So uh, the Seahawks could definitely, definitely make this interesting tonight. And the Saturday trio of games starts in Minnesota, where the Vikings look to get back on track as they host the Colts. And as skeptical as I am about the Vikings in that elite stratosphere of teams, The Colts are still a clown show. The Vikings are overdue to win a game by multiple scores, and this is going to be it. Give me the Vikings 31 to 17. I mean, yeah, I mean, the Colts, but you know what? Like I said, Minnesota, they can run the table. They'll go one and done, but yeah, they're going to run the table. I'll make it a little bit closer than it should be because – It's Minnesota. Uh, Let's take Minnesota over the Colts, 27 to 25. And the second game of that Saturday trio, the Browns host the Ravens. The Ravens, uh, as skeptical as you are about their Super Bowl chances, and you have every right to be, they are just a gritty team that just finds a way to win week after week, and you cannot take that away from them. Last week, Uh, despite losing Tyler Snoop Huntley to a concussion, J.K. Dobbins just stole the show in his coming back party. Oh, my goodness. The the Ravens just find ways to win, and this Browns defense is absolutely atrocious against the run as well. So whether it's Snoop Huntley or Anthony Brown at quarterback, I still like the Ravens to win an ugly, low-scoring game against the Browns, let's say 16-13. to I don't think that rust is coming off Deshaun Watson quite yet. Yeah, I mean, the Ravens should be able to go into Cleveland and win this game, but man, you know, ugly is the Ravens' season. I mean, 16 to 14 over the Steelers, 10 to 9 over the Broncos. They lose to Jacksonville by a single point. Uh, Ugly win over Carolina. I mean, ugly. Thy name is Baltimore on the field. My goodness. So, Oh, I really want to pick Baltimore. It seems like the right thing, but I've got to go with Cleveland. Hey, Deshaun Watson, right? Third 
third preseason game. That's when you play the starters, right? That's the tradition. So uh, maybe this is what he's been waiting for. He's knocked the rust <laughs> off enough. I think Cleveland will somehow pull out this ugly game. No 60-yard field goals getting blocked on, uh, you know, instead of going for it on fourth down, like in the first matchup between these two teams. So Cleveland, I don't know how they do it, but they find a way. 20-17 to 17 over the Ravens. And on Sunday in Charlotte, the Panthers looking to run the table and get into the playoffs host the Steelers. You know how much I love Mike Tomlin to death, but I just don't want to bet against Steve Wilkes. I am a big believer in Steve Wilkes. He has these Panthers play passionate football and, uh, given the fact that the Steelers might be starting Mason Rudolph out of all people, uh, he's not going to have a shot against that Panthers pass rush. I like the Panthers. Yeah. I mean, you look at the Panthers here with uh, since Wilkes took over and I mean, it's just an entirely different team. And you know, that defense has been just fantastic for them. I just can't pick against Carolina right now either. Um, they're they're getting the job done on defense, and you know defense is going to win them this game. They did it against Seattle. It it won them the game against the Broncos. Uh, they kept them in the game against the Ravens. It's you know, I mean, what you're only the Seahawks there. have a far better offense than all those other teams do. Exactly, including well, the too. Steelers, That's including true. the Steelers. It's Exactly. So, you know, I don't see Joe Burrow over there on the other side of the field. So I'm going to stick with that Carolina defense on this one. Let's make it low scoring. Let's make it ugly. Let's make it 15 to 13 Carolina over Pittsburgh. The Saints still alive in the playoff hunt at four and nine coast. The Falcons who begin the Desmond Ritter era. And I just have a feeling that Arthur Smith has revenge on his mind for this game because the Falcons should have beaten the Saints in week one, but the, the, the Falcons falconed away that lead. But this time, I think they might have an upgrade at quarterback over Marcus Mario with the rookie Desmond Ritter. He is an Alex Smith-type talent who can make basic-level throws. He's very smart with the football. He's not going to turn it over. And uh, that run game is going to be the difference in this game. I like the Falcons. David, who's starting a quarterback for New Orleans this week? Andy Dalton. All right. I'm with you. Atlanta it is. There we go. That's all I needed to hear. Atlanta 24, New Orleans 20. The best team in the NFC by far right now, the Eagles at 12 and 1, travel to Chicago to take on the Bears. I think Justin Fields is going to give these Eagles a pretty, pretty tough test for at least a half. But the talent disparity between these two teams right now is just too much in favor of the Eagles. I like the Eagles. Yeah, you know, 2024, Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, that could be our uh, NFC championship game. Oh, yes, but... <laughs> yes. but definitely not right now. Um <laughs> But you're right. I, I think for the Bears, it's going to be a great game to take stock and see what Philadelphia did around Jalen Hurts and model their team in that same vein. So uh, Philadelphia, man, I ain't picking against them and maybe until the calendar turns to 2023. So if then. Uh, so Philadelphia, yeah, I, Bears defense doesn't have a prayer slowing them down. 
Fields, I think, will put up some, um, will make some plays against that defense, and the defense will make some plays against him. So I'll make it Philadelphia 42, Chicago 21. The Cowboys, who were lucky, dare I say, to beat the Texans out of all teams, traveled to Jacksonville to take on the red-hot Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. Give me the upset. Jaguars 35, Ooh. Cowboys 34. I just believe in Trevor Lawrence. He's absolutely on fire right now. And I think he leads the Jaguars to a franchise-defining win over a great Cowboys team. Jaguars 35, Cowboys 34. How do they do it? Stay tuned for bold predictions. Oh, I want to join you on that. So bad, David. So bad. But I just can't do it. Oh, I want to. Hey, you know, teams have hiccups. The good teams are the ones that have those games where they let an inferior opponent stay in the game, have the lead late in the game, and still find a way to pull out that W and then get back on track the next week. And I think that's exactly where the Cowboys are. Uh, you know, one of those roll your helmet out on the game, on the field games. We don't have to do anything against Houston. Um, came back and bit them. Lesson learned. I think it'll be a great game. I just can't pick against the Cowboys. I'll say Dallas 30, Jacksonville 27. The Chiefs, after that too close for comfort win over the Broncos, traveled to Houston to take on the Texans, who should have beaten the Cowboys last week. That said, the Chiefs are even better than the Cowboys, in my opinion. And I think the Chiefs win this one rather convincingly. I like the Chiefs. Yeah, I get right game for the Chiefs, no doubt about it. Um, took their foot off the gas pedal against Denver. Uh, lost to Cincinnati the week before. Uh, definitely need a get it right kind of game here. And going into Houston should be the perfect remedy for them. Um, I say easy win. Let's say uh, Kansas City 38, Houston 13. Added a pivotal, and I mean pivotal, contest that could determine which one of these teams ends up in the playoffs as a wild card. The Lions at six and seven traveling to MetLife Stadium to take out the seven and six Jets. Oh my God, this is a super intriguing matchup. That Jets defensive line versus that Lions offensive line, which is an elite offensive line, by the way. Do not let the advanced metrics fool you. Advanced metrics just cannot measure the intricacies of offensive line play. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, I think this game is going to be pretty close and rather high scoring. But I just have a feeling that that Lions offensive line is going to be the neutralizer that that Jets defensive front four has not faced yet this season. I like the Lions at this game, 30 to 27 over the Jets. Sound that simpatico <laughs> alert, David. I am feeling that as well. I've got Detroit beating the Jets, and I have the offensive line playing a huge role in this game as well. little lower scoring. I've got it Detroit 28, Jets 24. But how does the offensive line figure in? Wait for that bold prediction. Ooh, I think I know where you're going here, but I can't <laughs> wait to find out. 
Starting with the afternoon slate of games is in the uh, 4 p.m. window. The Broncos host the Cardinals in arguably this week's stink bowl, dare I say. <laughs> uh, just two teams absolutely going nowhere and with uncertainty at quarterback going yeah. forward, especially given Kyler Murray's torn ACL. Will he be the same runner as he was in the past? That is a very fair question to ask. Uh Hold your nose. Uh, 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 regardless <laughs> of who's playing quarterback for the Broncos, it all comes down to coaching. And I still trust Cliff Kingsbury over Nathaniel Hackett. Give me the Cardinals in an ugly 13-6 game. Uh, Cardinals, an ugly game. No doubt about that. But um, I'm going to say when you got one this ugly and it's this much of a stinker, I just got to lean those points to the home team. And I've got to pick Denver in this case. So we'll make it ugly 16 to 15 over the Cardinals. <laughs> By the way, Hal, that isn't the only time you picked a 16 to 15 final <laughs> score in a Broncos game this year. We'll see if you are right this time and your Patriots who currently occupy the seventh playoff seat in the AFC Traveled to Vegas to take on Josh McDaniels for the second ever battle between Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels as head coaches. Belichick lost the first one in Denver in 2009, but 13 years later, I think Belichick gets his revenge because the Raiders, uh, they're not going to have uh, Alex Bars, their guard in this game, but the Patriots might be getting Christian Barmore back for this game. Put him along with Matt Judon and Josh Uche uh, against uh, that offensive line that is absolutely atrocious in pass protection. That uh, alone makes me pick the Patriots in a very close 19 to 17 game. Yeah. Ugly close. Ed. That sounds like a Patriots road game here. No doubt about it. Um, Vegas, you know, how big of a lead are they going to blow this week? I guess is what it comes down to. So, <laughs> let's see. Uh, so Vegas will score the first 14 points and the Patriots will score the next 20, 20 to 14 Patriots over the Raiders. The chargers fresh off a rather impressive win over the dolphins host the reeling. And I mean, reeling Ooh. Tennessee Titans. Oh my goodness. If you would have asked me who wins this game two weeks ago, I probably would have said Titans, but I just cannot pick the Titans right now. They are just absolutely struggling and injuries, uh, not to make excuses, are playing a big part of it. Justin Herbert should have no problem carving up uh, that secondary that is uh, dealing with a lot of injuries right now. And Jeffrey Simmons, even if he plays, he's not going to be 100%, so it's going to be very hard for the Titans to get pressure on Justin Herbert. I like the Chargers. Yeah, I mean... Everything points to the Chargers. Big emotional win there last week. And, uh, you know, it's the, did I say I'm not picking the Chargers again the rest of this year? I just don't trust them. <laughs> yes, I, I say it every week. Um, Mike Vrabel, if anybody's going to figure out this nosedive, it's going to be you. Yeah. Uh, big mm -hmm. dose of Derrick Henry. I think this is what we're going to see this week. And uh, another close game. I'll make it close, but Tennessee 20, Chargers 17. And an arguably the biggest game of uh, the afternoon in week 15. The Bucks and Tom Brady host the Red Hot Bengals and Joe Burrow. Uh, the Bengals uh, are not going to have Trey Hendrickson in this game, which is big. Yet the Bucks are unlikely to have Vita Vea in this game. Oof. 
and uh, they're unlikely to have Tristan Wirfs in this game. And uh, Trey Hendrickson or not, uh, the Bengals should absolutely be able to exploit those uh, absences. And that alone is enough for me to take the Bengals in a close 24-21 game. Yeah, I mean, offense is broken in Tampa right now. Uh, look over at the Bucks and that passing attack. Uh, I mean, look over, Bucks. look over at the Bengals and see that passing attack. And that's uh, the cream of the crop right now in the NFL. Uh, Cincinnati 30, Tampa 19. Bengals and Bucks might be the biggest game of the afternoon. But the biggest game of the entire day could be Sunday night in D.C. where the Giants take on the Commanders in an NFC East showdown that could very well determine who ends up with one of those two wildcard spots in the NFC. And a couple weeks ago, I said I was confident that the Commanders would edge out the Giants for one of those uh, two spots. And I'm not backing down now. I like the Commanders in a 23-20 game. Yeah, it you know, they just played each other, <laughs> you know, and uh, it was ugly. And you know what? Probably going to be ugly again. Uh, you know what? Flip a coin, lands on its side. Let's have tie number two for oh! each team here. I'm going with it. I'll give you the exact same score as well. 2020, 2020 vision once again. Giants, Commanders. Oh, and tie. that alone could make both teams make the playoffs. Get that. So both teams might be playing for a tie if they really want to get it. Oh, man. Bring on the chaos. That's what I say. <laughs> and on Monday night, week 15 concludes at Lambeau Field, where Baker Mayfield and the Rams take on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I'm still on the Baker Mayfield trade, dare I say. Baker Mayfield showed people who I at least thought the Browns were getting with that first overall pick in 2018. And I think Sean McVay continues to work magic with him against a very, very terrible Packers defense. Uh, he might not have Cooper Cup, but so what? Sean McVay is one of those few coaches that can make whatever Jimmy's and Joe's he has on the field uh, be very functional within those X's and O's. I like the Rams. I, I just don't know what to make of this Packers team. I've been scratching my head for 14 weeks here. I still, from that blowout loss against Minnesota in week one, turning it around, winning a bunch of games, losing a bunch. I, I'm at a loss. I, I've been waiting for the Packers to play better football all season long. Maybe they make a run towards 500 here. If they have any chance of it happening, it's got to happen right here this week against the Rams. So I'll say they get the running game figured out. They make some plays in the passing game and do just enough in a 24 to 22 win over the Rams. And now it's time for our bold predictions for week 15. You go first, Tal. Something about that Lions offensive line. Does Panay Sewell catch two or three touchdowns or something he like that? He most definitely does. Hey, you know, they Whoa! brought back Jamison Williams. They've got their deep threat. Now they found their short game threat, their goal line. I say Panay Sewell will not only catch a touchdown pass, but they'll bring him into block, and we'll see that fullback dive and Panay Sewell gets one through the air and one on the ground to lead the Lions over the Jets. 
Oh, I love it, man. That is, you make, you always make the best bold predictions, but that could be your best one yet, dare I say. Oh, I, I just love it. My bold prediction is this. Last week, we saw Baker Mayfield lead the Rams on a 98-yard game-winning touchdown drive. This Sunday, we see Trevor Lawrence lead the Jaguars on a 99-yard game-winning touchdown drive in the final two minutes that culminates in a touchdown pass to Christian Kirk, giving the Jaguars a 35-34 win over the Cowboys. And last but not least, as always, our challenge flags. And my challenge flag goes to the Cowboys and the Chiefs. Do not play down to your competition. Hopefully, both of you guys learned your lesson last week that you cannot take anything for granted. Anything can happen on any given Sunday. These are games you both should win this week. And this is a get-right opportunity for both of you. Well, especially Kansas City because the Jaguars are far better than the Texans. But still, the, the Cowboys have a get-right opportunity as well. Just don't play down your competition and use this week as a get-right opportunity going forward. That'll really help you come playoff time. That is my challenge flag. Chiefs and Cowboys, just do not overlook your competition. Great Al? point. Great point, David. Um, my challenge flag, hey, in the AFC, we've got a heck of a battle coming down for those uh, spots in the wild card. So my challenge flag, McDaniel, Belichick, Harbaugh. Um, yeah, sorry, Baltimore. I'm giving the division to Cincinnati. <laughs> sorry. I, I've come around. I'm joining David now. It's all Cincinnati. So Harbaugh, Belichick, McDaniel, Staley, Salah, the Chargers, the Jets, the Ravens, the Patriots, the Dolphins, five worthy teams three spots step up to the challenge i want to see chaos teams winning bouncing back and forth into the spot out of the spot everybody in it for that final week of the season gear up we're coming down the home stretch it's do or die it's winner go home bring out every cliche you've got i don't care let's have a wild finish in the afc that's what I want to see. And that's my challenge flag to those five teams. He is Hal Bent, ladies and gentlemen. Catch his work at full press coverage. Follow him on Twitter at HalBent01. Hal, thank you so much once again. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back next week to recap week 15, preview week 16, and discuss all the latest news and notes from around the National Football League. So stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 as well as on Instagram and TikTok at Sports Crunch with dcrom And remember, that's Crunch with AK. For Hal Bet, this is David Cromwell, and as always, choose love, choose kindness, choose compassion, choose selflessness, and choose empathy, which are some of the core characteristics of the best teammates and teams. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool. <laughs>